I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. And uh, this week uh, for our podcast, I uh, recently hosted a meeting of a lot of our leaders over Zoom, and I invited one of our board members, a longtime uh, leader in this ministry, Greg Hewitt. He's a local guy here in Northwest Arkansas, uh, former uh, executive at a big corporation, and then started uh, his own company, a couple companies. Um, But he... Uh, also got called into prison ministry in a really unique way that uh, he wasn't expecting. And so anyway, he told his story to some of our a group of our leaders on a Zoom call earlier uh, last week, and I thought it would be really powerful for you guys to, to hear his story. And uh, it's just yet another example of how God is working in the hearts of people uh, and calling calling people into this ministry that, that we aren't, weren't recruiting uh, he, God just started putting his hand on people and inviting them into the, this ministry and now into leadership. So I think you'll be impressed and inspired to, to hear how God worked uh, through Greg's life. And uh, also it might be something that God uh, sparks you as far as prison ministry in your area. So anyway, listen and enjoy to this uh, testimony from Greg Hewitt. Thank you. Hey, it's great to be able to visit with you guys. I've talked to some of you and met some of you over the years, but some of you guys I haven't had an opportunity to meet, but it's, it's great to meet you guys. And I know everybody's really excited with your ministry opportunities and what you guys have going on around the country. So it's a pleasure to meet you guys and talk to you. I'll give you a little bit of background and I really try to be brief, but because I really want to say what time we've got to just, if you guys want to talk about prison ministry or the DNA or some of those things, but just a little background. I, I, uh, I came to Christ late in life. Uh, I, uh, through the promise keepers movement, you know, back in the nineties, uh, in October, on October 12, 1996, I think I got a big time glare deal going on back there, but back in 96 in October, um, I, uh, I went to a promise keepers conference, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. And I, you know, it, I, I really didn't want to be there. I, you know, I, a friend at work asked me not once or twice, but three times. And he was a really senior influential guy in the company. And I, you know, I was lost as a goose and had no interest in anything spiritual or religious. And, you know, uh, it wasn't that I didn't believe God existed. I just really didn't see any big need for him, nor did I ever see anything in anybody that, that really drew me to it. And so I just, it wasn't that I didn't believe he existed. I just really wasn't that interested. And I had a lot of stuff going on at work. It's funny when you look at that from an influencer standpoint, I was a classic uh, 35-year-old guy in the refugee camp, right? I was a classic guy in the refugee camp. Top of my career, you know, making a lot of money, had a big position, doing a lot of stuff married to a beautiful young lady with, you know, four kids and everything looked good at, uh, you look at me and look at us, everything looked like the world would say, you know, it was all good. And I thought so too, but, but I just kept every time I 
it was like this career, you know, it was this hamster on the wheel. I just kept running in, in every job. I just wanted to get to the next level and I'm moving up in the company. But what began to be kind of strange was that every time I got, you know, made it to what was the next level that was going to bring me joy and fulfillment, it was like something was missing. And finally, I just couldn't figure out why. I just felt like there was something missing and I just couldn't, and I never thought about anything spiritual and interesting how the timing is on that. It was just God at work. Here's God brings this guy into my life that at this big corporation who was the CFO of the company. And he, and I, I mean, my lifestyle was pretty, I mean, there wasn't any question. I wasn't a believer. And I was one of these guys that you, you guys are all in men's ministry. You guys can appreciate this. There's these guys that you just know they're lost as a goose, but they're so darn lost. You're a little hesitant sometimes to even ask them because you know the answer is going to be no to whatever it is you want them to do. Well, I was that guy. I was the last guy you asked to go do that stuff because you just felt like there's no way this guy's going to do that. And so sure enough, I turned him down twice. And the third time he asked me, the only reason I said yes is because he was so influential in the company. I'm like, he wanted me to go to this I didn't even know what it was. What is Promise Keepers? And it was just, you know, I could kind of explain it. It was some religious, spiritual event for two or three days where I went with all these church guys, of which who I didn't know but one, and I just didn't have any interest, but I finally said yes. And to make a long story short, <clears throat> I go there, and I'm uncomfortable as I can be being in this big coliseum, you know, all this, you know, Jesus business going on. And, I mean, it was so strange to me, but in the middle of that conference, God uh, very clearly showed me that this gap that I had, this hole I had, that I couldn't figure out what it was. I thought it was just the next job. You know, that's the, that's the refugee camp. The deception is all you need to be happy as a man is to be successful at work, to be successful in your career, to make money, to, you know, do these worldly things well, and contentment and satisfaction will come. That's the ultimate deception. And man, that was, the, that was the epitome of my life, except I kept hitting these deals and something was missing. And I just couldn't figure out what it was. And at that conference, bottom line is God said, hey, I mean, in the middle of a prayer that I kind of, I think I had one eye open, one closed. He, he said to me in my heart, this gap you've got that you keep chasing and pushing, it's me. And I just, I just broke it. It changed my life. Well, okay. So I accept Christ. I'm 35 years old and I start going to church and I, I'm biblically illiterate. And I went to a pretty good Bible teaching church that, you know, was trying to disciple people and they gave me all the basic stuff, you know, read the word, come to church, pay your tithes, do park the cars, you know, do this, 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 this. And I started doing it. And by the way, I started to grow because I started reading God's word for the first time. And so, you know, they were really good at, hey, you know, teaching God's word, encouraging your people to be in God's word. And so I did. And so for 10 years, I began to grow spiritually because that's what happens when you get, as y'all know, you get in God's word, you start getting close to him, he begins to change you. And he began to take a lot of this mess out of my life because the reality was my marriage was a wreck. My finances were a wreck. I was, you know, like that refugee camp down deep I was I was a wreck but he began to clean things up and take care of things and I grew spiritually for about 10 years kind of on a pretty good track you know but then all of a sudden after about 10 years I plateaued and spiritually and I just I wasn't growing anymore I mean I learned I'd read the word I read the word through Genesis to Revelation every year for 10 years but at some point 
it was just kind of becoming knowledge with me. And I was just like, felt flattened out. And then I had this big deal happen career-wise. And I was really, for the first time in my life, starting to struggle with something, you know, career-wise. And, and I decided to leave this company. I've been with 25 years, which is, you know, can be pretty hard. And I was really struggling. And in the middle of the night, one night, not being able to sleep, Brian had sent me this little journey to the inner chamber book, the little black book. And it had been in my reading list. And it, I kept pushing it down, pushing it down. Well, finally that night, I couldn't sleep. And I went into my office and there was that little black book sitting at the top of the reading list. So I picked that book up and I started reading it. And you, you guys know what the story is immediately. The, here's a guy who's trying to figure out what life looks like. Something's wrong. He can't put his finger on it, you know, and it was just, oh, and by the way, it was also snowing in the middle of this night like his was. And I was up and couldn't sleep. And it was the same kind of deal. He, he just, something wasn't right. And, I, and that was kind of how it was with my discipleship. I just had plateaued and I just didn't feel like I was drawing closer to God. And so I get this black book and I read it. And of course, it just really resonated. It, it, it just so resonated with me that I pick up the phone and I call Brian the next day. And I said, hey, I finally got to that book you gave me. And, and I said, uh, you know, didn't you say there was something else too that there's another part of this deal? Like, you know, you go through something and he goes, yeah, it's a discipleship deal. It's like nine months long and there's one starting in Bentonville. And uh, he said, you should do it, Greg. If you like the book, you, you'd love the journey. You should, and it sounds like you're in a, a good time in your life and a good place to do it. You should try it. I said, well, hey, I mean, so what I do? He said, well, call this number and tell them you want to go. Well, they just started a group in Bentonville and I walked, and so it was like, you know, noon on Wednesday and so I, show up for the first time and I just happened to time it just right it was the first meeting and and I didn't know a soul in the room and and but I just kind of piled in there and I'm like yeah I want to go through this and I have my little black book and it was funny there were two older guys on the end and uh they start the deal and you know they're 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 the leaders somehow they're whatever the leaders are these two guys are the older guys are the leaders and they kept referring to one of them as Rocky and Rocky this and Rocky that and I'm like I looked at that book and I'm like, Rocky Fleming, I think this is a guy that wrote this thing. And, you know, it was, it was like Rocky was guiding the group. And there was an old boy, boy Billingsley, Brian, was the co-guide. Oh, oh, boy, Billingsley. If y'all hadn't met him, man, he's an old Navy SEAL. He's a, he's an awesome, crusty old guy, just, but just an awesome, awesome guy. And, uh, and so he was the co-guide. And so, so I wait off into this journey deal and, you know, I go through it and, golly it's just it's awesome it's just I could tell I mean think about it that's what I that's what had happened to me I had I had learned to feed self-feed and I had fed for 10 years on the word which was good and it caused me to grow some but what had happened to me is think about that castle scene and think about the banquet table picture that in your mind and then think about me. I'd been in a refugee camp for 35 years. I went to a PK conference across the bridge, accepted Christ, went across the bridge, was in a church like, okay, now what? Well, you know, read the word, praise, tithe, park cars. Okay, check, 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 check. And I'm reading God's word. Genesis to Revelation every year. And I'm learning. And God's doing stuff in my life. And he's changing my life. But I'm all I'm doing is I get to the end of the table. I know God's word. I've read it cover to cover 10 times. That's more than 90% of believers have done. And I've read it. I'm like, okay. But I didn't have any intimacy. I didn't have a, 
uh, a relationship. I just had a lot of knowledge and a little bit of transformation. And I really wasn't seeing much fruit in my life. A little here, a little there, but not really a lot. And it's like it dawned on me. It's like, I'm missing the abiding piece. It's the abiding piece. I don't have, I've, I've worked my way down to the end of the table. That's it. And what's really interesting, if you stop and think about that, so, so that's where, you know, I'm going through the journey and I realize that's where I am. You start going through it. And really at that point, I'm 45 years old and I never had any trials or tri really never had any major challenges in my life. I've had some smaller, but not, no, nothing major. But I, it, it hit me and I did. I, I, my wife and I, we, in the middle of the journey, there was a financial storm that hit us and we had never had any financial troubles in our life. We never had anything. And we had this gut-wrenching uh, storm that was all part of that, you know, leaving corporate America. I was going to leave there. I started a new company. I started a food company and we had a recall and we had product all over the U.S., millions of dollars worth of product, and we had to recall it. And we went from like never having to worry about anything financial, thinking that we'd never, you know, I, I was only working because I wanted to, to like, it was gone. Oof. Oh, I mean, it was just all, of our, all of our savings, everything was gone. It, this happened in the middle of the journey. But think about that. So I had made my way into down the table and I had learned to feed and I had learned to self-feed and I had done all that. Well, think about the what's the next steps in that process. You know, if you think about it and I and this little diagram, you know, that you guys have seen, some of you have seen, well, what happens then is you feed on God's word and then, then what happens next, fellas? As part of the process, what happens? You feed on God's word and then what happens? You gotta go to the exercise room. Exercise room. What's the exercise room represent? Trials. Yeah. Well, guess what? Bingo. That's when mine hit, right in the middle of the journey. I mean, it just, oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. It happened though. And, and what it did was I had to, now what I had to do is I had to take all this promise from God's word that I learned over those 10 years and I had to apply it. And, 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 I would not have survived had I not had those promises and the ability to claim them. I, I'm telling you, I wouldn't have survived it. So I did. So I, so I began to take that word and claim those promises. And one day at a time, if y'all have ever gone through one of those financial deals where you don't even know if you're going to survive financially. So I know some of you have because I know Brian has because he and I have been through that. Until you've ever done it, man, it is gut-wrenching. Well, but what I did was I began to take those promises every day, and it was those promises that would um, allow me to get through the day just one day at a time. And, you know, that's what it does. And it, then I would begin to rest, and I would find peace. And, you know, what's crazy is you, you think you just have to go through one round of that. It's like, okay, I feed on God's word. I get a storm. I fall back on his word, I rest. Then you're all done, right? And there's intimacy and you have ultimate intimacy, right? Isn't that how it works? One round, right? No, unfortunately not. Not all the time. I mean, I'm not saying that that might not be your story, but a lot of times that's not our story because, you know, so you, so you feed on God's word and you claim his word and you have the trials and then you rest and then, and then you go again. 
And then, you know, as you do that and it, and it happens again, and like our storm, our financial storm lasted seven years. And, um, and so, you know, it just kept, it just kept um, different situations and circumstances. But every time I would claim his word and trust him to get me through that level and rest, I would draw a little closer. I'd draw a little, a little more intimate. And then, you know what? And then another situation would come and I'd go through the same process. Trust his word, prayer, fasting, press in on him. I get through that round. And then every time you look up and, you know, it's just like, I tell people it's like a cinnamon where you just keep going. And every time you make a circle, you get a little closer and a little closer. And that's that intimacy. And, and so, you know, th that's what happened to me. And what, what I remember, even after the first session, I mean, even after going through it the first time with Rocky, what was really interesting about it is when I got through, I had, there were two things that happened to me. One, I had, you know, he says, Rocky says experience trumps theory. I call it ET squared, experience trumps theory. So I had all this theory in my mind about being able to trust God, but I'd never experienced it because I'd never been in trouble. But I had personally realized that this was really true, that, that for my own life, I had, I was having to learn to trust him and to abandon my ability all my life, all my life. And this is what I love about guys, all, all guys life. most men, all their life, they've been told when, when, the, when the stuff hits the fan, just work harder, just push harder, knuckle down, work harder. And all my life, that's what I've been told first with my dad and then coaches and then bosses. It's like, it's bad. We'll just work harder. You know, you're just going to have to suck it up and figure it out. And so, you know, I had finally come to a point where I said, you know, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. And so personally, I learned those through my trials, those two things. One, I was going to have to trust God uh, and I was going to have to abandon myself. Personal abandonment, absolute trust. And so for my own self, I had seen it in play. Hey, this is awesome. This is real. It's based on God's word. And then add to that this John 15 element, which says, hey, if you, the only, you know, it's like Jesus told his disciples, hey, guys, you can do all this stuff. You can have this great strategy and go do all this stuff. But if you don't abide in me, there's not going to be any fruit. So I saw that in my life, too, because as it started to happen and as I began to abide, I began to see fruit in my life. So that was one thing. The other thing I noticed is, is a guy who had been 35 years and lost and been so lost and lived the first 35 years of his life, you know, um, as a lost guy, understanding the pressures that come with that, that it's all on you, it's all on your shoulders, and what men are going through. I had a heart for men. I just, I had, I had seen something that was so valuable in my life and in my marriage and my family that I always had a heart to, for other men. And as soon as I finished the journey, I told a friend, I said, you know, I've always had a heart to disciple men, but I, I didn't have a process to do it. All I had was what I'd been told, you know, read God's word, pray, tithe, park car. And, and that's great, but, and it's a part of it, but it's not all of it. And no one had ever walked me through this personal abandonment, absolute trust. And I said, look, here's the deal. I, I so want to help guys not live the way I've lived that I need a process to do that. And to me, not that this is the only way, because it's not. There are other ways to bring guys into intimacy. But for me, this was the best way I had ever seen. And I'm a process guy. I like to, I like processes. And this was a process that I loved. It was, man, it was easy. I didn't have to be a great teacher. I didn't have to be this 
all I had to do was just walk along with them as a guide, you know, and, and I'm like, man, this thing is real. And then not only did I see this in my life, but you start, you know, as y'all know, when you go through the journey, you see other guys starting to get it too, you know, that God really does want a relationship with him and he really does want to speak to them. And so I left that first deal going, man, this is what I want to do. This is the vehicle and the process that I can use to pursue this heart I have uh, to disciple men. And so, you know, uh, th that that's where I left that. And so after that, I just started take, getting guys and I just started, you know, taking other guys through it and getting somebody, you know, to go through it with me. And we just started going through it. And then, you know, just like what you guys have experienced, you start seeing this huge difference in men. And the next thing you look up and their wives are like, man, what have you done with my husband? And, I don't want him back and I, you know, and I don't want that old guy back. And, you know, is this just a man's deal and can we do it? And we started doing some couples groups, which just has been fantastic, you know, really good. It's fantastic. And, and so we started doing that. And then I had a, just a really interesting situation where, uh, you know, I'd taken guys through it and, and I was, I went through this period where this verse kept coming to me. Uh, it's in Luke and it's in Isaiah. You guys all know it where he says, you know, you know, sacrifice and fasting, you know, but what the, what I'm really looking for is, you know, I want you to, you know, take care of widows and orphans and, and release the captives. And y'all know that verse and, you know, and I might release the captives and it just, you know how it is when God's trying to tell you something, he just won't let you up. And I got it the first time and I said, well, that don't even make sense. I don't even know what it means. Release the captives. You know, I don't, I don't know what that's about. And I, Two days later, I'd get it from somewhere else. And a week later, somebody else would send it to me. And <laughs> I was out at the farm one day, probably on an extended time of prayer. And Rocky was out there. And, and I cornered Rocky. And I said, hey, Rocky, man, I got to ask you a question. He said, well, what is it? I said, man, you ever get a verse that you just can't get out of your head and people keep sending it to you from different places and you can't figure out what it's talking about? And he goes, yeah. He says, God does that. And I said, well, I got one of them. It's just wearing me out. I can't, I can't want it. It just keeps coming from everywhere. And two, it doesn't make any sense to me. He said, well, what is it? <laughs> and I told him, hoping Rocky would give me the answer of what God's trying to tell me. You know, like, what is he trying to tell me? And I told Rocky that verse, you know, I read it to him. And he's like, yeah, I don't have any idea what God's trying to tell you. He said, but, but it's not for me to say. He said, you know, but here's the deal. He's trying to tell you something. There's a reason He's given you that verse. I don't know what it is, but you just got to keep praying and be open and listening and stay in his presence. And God will eventually, you'll figure out what he's talking about. I said, well, okay. I mean, it's not a lot of help, but it's a little bit of help. But, uh, you know, so, okay, thanks. And so it wasn't a week later that I get this call from this guy in California. He's a prison chaplain in chino california <laughs> and he says hey you know i'm chaplain bruce in chino california i've been taking guys through the journey in prison and it's incredible and he said uh i'm being transferred and i'm being transferred to arkansas he said i'm not even sure where where that is he said i i'm being transferred to some little prison down in Cummins, Arkansas. I'm not even sure where that where that is, but he said, you know, once I was told I was being transferred, 
I'm thinking, well, when I go there, first things I got to do is I got to do this journey because I've seen so much fruit out of it. So I figure out who I need to call, and I call this guy, Rocky Fleming. And I call him, and I tell him my story. Hey, chaplain, Chino, I'm being transferred to Arkansas. Do you have any prison ministry in Arkansas? And Rocky said, no, we've only got it in California. And he said, well, I'm being transferred. What, what do I do? And Rocky thought about that conversation. And he's like, all right, I, I know. He said, I know who you need to talk to. He said, so he's a prison guy? He said, no, he's not a prison guy. He's just a guy that, he said, I tell you what, you just call him and tell him your story. He's going to act a little surprised at first, but just give him a minute. <laughs> he's a little slow. It'll dawn on him what's going on. He said, just call this guy and tell him what you told me. So this guy calls me and he says, so I was supposed to call you. And I said, you know, release the captives, release the prisoners. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah chaplain, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I don't know anything about prison ministry. I don't, but I think I'm your man. And he says, what do you mean? I said, well, here's this verse God's been giving me, and I guess this is it. And I said, I don't know anything about prison or prisoners. I spent one night in jail when I was in college, and I swore I'd never go back. But, hey, maybe I'm supposed to do prison ministry. And I said, if you'll have me, I don't have any experience, but I'll work with you. He said, yeah, I guess, I guess so. So this guy comes to Cummins Prison. It's, it's, what is it, Brian? It's like four or five hours down there, I guess. I haven't been. You've been yeah, telling it's me like, about it. It's, yeah. a, it's a hall. It's like four or five hours down there. And so this guy shows up down there and he says, okay, well, you know, we want to get started. So, so I do. And so I show up down there and you know, it's amazing how God makes a way for the things that are on his heart. He doesn't make a way for the things that sometimes that are on our heart, but he always makes a way for the things on his heart. Well, it, I, I'm a Northwest Arkansas guy. It's four hours away, but I got involved with this food company, and there was a plant in Little Rock, Arkansas, which is three hours away. It's only about an hour from the prison, and I had a productions opportunity come along by this time, and I'm in Little Rock uh, every other week. And so, wow, I, I could just go over to prison. I could go over to this Cummins prison. And we started a group and we had like, I don't know, uh, 12 inmates do it the first, go through it the first time. And uh, we just went through it just like, you know, we did with guys on the outside. And it was phenomenal. I mean, it was unbelievable uh, what happened. Just, it's just unreal. And it just, uh, and so it began to grow. And one of the first things we did, which was really interesting, is that we began to train guides in prison. And, uh, and so we trained like 10 guys and, and they became guides and they went different places in the prison. And it just, it, it just took off. It just went viral. I mean, there were those little black books were all in the cafeteria and the, the warden, uh, you know, kept, he'd, he'd go around, you know, he'd, he'd go out and check on guys. And so he kept seeing this little black journey to chamber book and he, started asking guys what is this black book everybody's reading and they're like oh this is unreal this is and so the warden got behind it and you know when that happens you know it it can make up it, it really started to take off and so gosh I don't know it's been 10 years and and uh and, and just you know um we've taken a lot of prisoners through there and we've developed a lot of guides and it's just uh it, it was really it was really good um the other thing that began to happen is that we local, so we had the state prison, okay, and then about that time there was a, a chaplain at the jail, the Washington County Jail, and and we had 
talk forever about doing the journey and I talk to them a lot, but you know, the journey's nine to 12 months and these guys aren't in, they're in prison that long, but they're not in jail that long. And so every time I would approach these jail, any jail opportunity, it'd be like, yeah, it sounds good. How long is it? Nine months. Nah, we can't do that. These guys are here on average, like, you know, 12 days or, you know, three weeks or something. And so one day, just in a conversation, I said, hey, what if we just did the journey to the inner chamber? What if we did the four to six week book review? Would you be up for that? And they said, yeah. And so we just started doing the four to six week book review in the jail. And it was phenomenal. And what was really cool about the, this and on the jail side is it was very uh, evangelical. I mean, it was it was uh, there was a lot of um, men coming to Christ. I mean, um, we'd have, t we had deals where we'd have 12 guys in a room and 10, 10 of them would accept Christ. It was unreal. Uh, and so, um, just going them through the bridge scene and, and taking them through that. So, uh, it, it was, uh, it was really good. Well, the other thing that we started at that point is guys in jail. And this is something to think about. If you guys think there's some prison opportunities or jail opportunities, here's an interesting piece of this. So, we had the jail, I mean, we had the prison deal going with the full nine-month program, and so what we started doing was guys in jail, they go one of three places. They go to state prison, federal prison, or they go home, okay? Well, we, we if these guys came out of jail, see, they've done a six-week book review, and if they came out and went home, we could get them in a group locally, okay? And if they went to the state prison, if they went to Cummins, we had the nine-month program there. So it was really cool. They could do the six-week deal and whet their appetite. And, and, and then they could, when they went to Cummins, we started putting them in the nine-month program. And so that was a, a, a really good deal. We, 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 it was like a feeder for us, you know. We could either, when they, if they were outside, you know, we put them in a local group or we could send them and put them through the prison deal. So, so that's what we did. And, and uh and we did Washington County for a while, and um, and then we started doing Benton County. And when we did Benton County, we saw the same thing: a lot of evangelism. I mean, I, I would be there. Were, there have been over fifty guys that have accepted Christ in Benton County, and I'm being very, very conservative. I mean, we I, we had one deal where there was like fourteen guys in there, and every man in the room accepted Christ. It was a it was unbelievable. So, uh, so it's been really, it's been really good from that standpoint. So that's our deal. I know it's a lot, but I mean, I just want to give you a little background on what we've done and, and you, and you find that you've got to kind of customize things because jails are different. They got different rules. The jails are different than the prisons and you got to pretty, be pretty flexible, but it's been great for being on the board because Rocky has for 10 years hammered into me and us the difference between form and function and that, you know, that, uh, you know, form is flexible, but the function and the DNA, you've got to stay with it. It's what provides, it's what yields fruit. It's what God's anointed to provide the fruit in the ministry. So, you know, we could be, we could flex on the form. And when you're talking prison and jail, that's really, really important because they have so many rules and things. So, you know, obviously you're not going to go out and have a outside and have a three hour extended time of prayer. You know, uh, so we didn't, so we, we found ways to do it in like chapels and stuff. So that's a good example that, you know, 
I mean, hey, I, it didn't have to be all day and we didn't have to have a picnic and a cookout and all that, but we needed that extended time of prayer. So DNA-wise, that extended time of prayer was critical. So the function was, we didn't want to give up any of that function, but the form and how we did it, we, we were flexible. And, you know, even like our commencement at the end, we literally took that commencement and you guys know how involved and how awesome that commencement is. And you hate to, you hate to lose any piece of it, but we had to take that commencement and, and, and be flexible with it and pick out the DNA and the key pieces and say, okay, look, we can't lose this piece and we can't lose this piece, but the, here's something that we, we could probably, you know, do a different way or do without. So it was a really good exercise and that whole keeping the DNA whole, keeping the major pieces but yet being flexible so that because that's really important when you get into the jail and prison side. This has been the Influencers Network podcast. Hope you enjoyed this broadcast. And uh, there's several other podcasts that you can uh, get access to on our website, influencers.org, or also on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify Podcasts. So anyway, I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you today. Yeah.